Welcome to this episode of Footnotes. Today, we've got the entire Venture South management team with us to talk about what Venture South does in terms of helping investors deploy money into startup companies, but also how they help founders of startup companies be better founders and better business owners. These guys have come a long way in a short amount of time, and I can't wait for you to hear this story. Check it out. Well, thanks, guys. We've got the, the entire uh, Venture South um, C-suite, as I like to joke around with it uh, here. But um, we are here with all the managing directors of, of Venture South. We've got Matt Dunbar and Paul Clark and Charlie Banks here with us. Uh, thanks for coming down, all of you together. I know you're kind of in different different places. Um, but where I wanted to start is, you know, for people that may be unfamiliar with Venture South, you know, what, what is it and how did it how did it begin? Um, and I'll just to throw a jump ball up for the three of y'all, whoever wants to take that one. Well, John, thanks for having us. Sure. So Venture South is a platform to bring investors together with startups and to try to facilitate investments in promising high growth potential startups in the region. And it got its start back in 2007, 2008 in Greenville, when a group of folks in town decided that they would like to bring together an angel investor group. Angel is a term in the industry to refer to individuals that want to invest their own money in startups as opposed to venture capitalists who go and raise capital from institutions and endowments and invest capital on behalf of those investors. Angels are investing their own money, but it's a very risky and inefficient market, and so it's hard to do that if you're an individual. So angel groups started to form across the country, really in the aftermath of the dot-com bust was when they really came into their own as people tried to figure out how not to lose money in the next cycle. And so a group was interested in doing that in Greenville. Uh, two gentlemen by the name of Tim Reed and J.B. Holman uh, really organized that group in Greenville in late 2007, early 2008. I happened to bump into those guys at the time they were looking to hire somebody to run that organization in Greenville. I was in Atlanta at the time looking for something interesting to bring me back to South Carolina. So I partnered up with them in the spring of 08 and we formed the Upstate Carolina Angel Network, or UCAN, and launched it again spring of 08. You may recall what happened in the financial world later in 2008. Yeah, that was sort of an interesting time, as they say. So interesting yeah. time. It got more interesting. It right? got very interesting for a while, <laughs> but uh, the good news was we had not already made investments. And so had we been around for a year or two prior to that, we may have gone out of business because our portfolio probably would wow. have tanked. Yeah. But that bought us some time to figure out what the heck we were doing. Uh, we're still trying to figure that out, but uh, at least we, we learned enough to get it off the ground and survive that period. And as we started to put capital to work and we found that there were investable companies in South Carolina and in the region that needed this type of risk capital that was hard to come by, uh, there was a real market for it. So we started to see some opportunities to try to expand that to other parts of the state. And about that time, in 2012, 2013, is when I met these two guys working at a bank, a startup bank in Greenville called Certus Bank. And I don't want to hog the mic here, so I'll let Paul or Charlie jump in and tell you the rest of the story from there. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Matt uh, mentioned we were, we were working at a bank. Um, it was a, an interesting story in itself that we probably don't have time to go into right now, but the upshot of it was that Charlie and I uh, got the opportunity to spend some time with Matt and the, and the angel group in Greenville. Liked what that group was doing. Um, were looking for other things to keep us occupied longer term than the bank we were at. Um, and so collectively came up with a plan to expand what Matt 
and the team in Greenville had built um, and turn that into a multi-city version of the same thing. So um, Charlie was here in Columbia. Uh, I lived in Greenville, but was happy to get on the road. So between us, we put together a plan to replicate what we did in Greenville in Columbia and Asheville initially, um, and then very quickly expanded that to other, other uh, locations around North and South Carolina. And so over the course of the next eight years now, since we, we hatched that plan, uh, we, we created Venture South out of that. Yeah, we knew there was a tremendous amount of latent capital just sitting on the sidelines. And um, if, if we felt that if we could put together a, a um, you know, this professionally curated environment for these types of investments, then we could free up some of that latent capital, write bigger checks, attract better deals, um, really start starting to develop this returns-focused mindset of, above the economic development um, mindset that many of the folks in the space were, were, were currently doing. So uh, you bring up, you know, that there's sort of capital on, on the sidelines, and, and I know in kind of my day job, we, we use terminology like that, but I think, you know, again, for our audience, what you're referring to is people that just had, sort of had money that was in the bank, if you will, and, and uninvested. Um, as you guys began this, and, and, and where where did that money come from that those people had? Did, did it come from other entrepreneurial activities? I mean, were there some some common threads in, in terms of that? You know, how does one get to a point where you just have sort of money that just is is uh, undeployed, as they say, or, or not being used? So I think as we started, most of our investors or angel investors, again, is the term in the industry, are folks that have built a career and in a lot of cases, particularly where we sit in the world, a lot of folks that have run manufacturing businesses or arms of larger manufacturing sure. businesses that have had successful careers, have saved some money. Uh, they do have to be accredited, which is a, a term that's established by the Securities and Exchange Commission for who is eligible to, who has the right effectively to invest their hard-earned money in these risky startups. We're in an interesting regulatory space in the startup world where obviously these are not publicly traded companies and so there's limited disclosures required from these companies. And because of that extra risk, the SEC, to protect you from yourself, says you can only make these kinds of risky investments if you have at least a million dollars of net worth, not including your primary residence, or if you make over $200,000 a year as an individual or $300,000 as a couple. And so folks that fit those financial parameters would qualify. So again, as we've started, um, a lot of those folks were later career folks, maybe thinking about retiring in the next few years, uh, later, again, later in their career with some savings stored up. Although as we've grown and as the marketplace has grown, we've seen more and more younger and more diverse folks come into the space. And we want to continue to bring a diversity of investors to the table because that diversity of experience helps us evaluate the opportunities that we see from an investment standpoint. So what was it like? Uh, so again, you, you guys are investing in, in startup companies and I think typically those are, are technologically based. In other words, they've got some kind of technology that they've developed that's gonna make uh, a process easier or our lives better somehow, some way. And people wanna invest in those companies so they can continue doing that and you know make a profit and so on and so forth. But going back to the capital question and and how you guys started doing something that really wasn't being, it was I kind of had a seed, if you will, in, in Greenville. You know, I've heard it said that a, a lot of capital, a lot of generational wealth in South Carolina has been generated from, from three things. Uh, manufacturing, specifically textiles, um, real estate, or um, privately held bank stock. 
I know that's kind of a random category. So if we take those categories, and certainly there are other ways that people have made money over the years, but if you're talking about a, a um, culture, if you will, that has traditionally made money in those ways, which are kind of easy to understand, what was it like taking people that sort of made money in that way and transitioning them to investing in startup technology-based companies with people that were could be maybe their grandchildren or at least a, an adult child's age. You get what I'm saying? Like, what's it like to make that turn with, a, in general, a group of people? Yeah, so it starts with education. You know, we, we do a tremendous amount of education with our with our members. Uh, so one of the things that you know our, our early thesis around building this this large. Um, network out was if we could educate these folks on the asset class and teach them really what it meant to be angel investors and you know and, and talk about portfolio math and things like that then they could start understanding that this is a this is a real asset class that they should that should take serious um, and you're right we, we saw a lot of folks that have uh, you know historically only invested in real estate um, and, and, and and like you said talking to them about investing in a startup company it's kind of crazy to them. Um, but once they start realizing that they can do this, they can be active in this, write small checks, you know, and get involved from a, a um, an advisory standpoint, it becomes it becomes very attractive to them. So we talk about, you'll hear us say a lot, you know, this uh, make money, have fun, do good. Uh, so that's kind of been our um, our mantra, if you will, and that that tends to resonate with folks that that aren't already doing this. And we should mention, just to follow that up, so because of the need for education, both for investors and for entrepreneurs who may be approaching raising capital for sure. the first time, we formed a nonprofit arm called Venture Carolina, through which we develop and deliver a lot of educational content for both investors and entrepreneurs. So that's kind of where you are now, and we talked about sort of where you started, but maybe what, what's, what's, what happened in the middle? you know, between going from, you know, these, these sort of seeds and you can and Greenville to now you have a nonprofit arm. What happened in between all that? A lot of late nights and, um, yeah. A lot of drinking our own Kool-Aid um, as it relates okay. to building a building a company. Um, and, I, you know, I'll let Paul talk about kind of how, how we've scaled it up. But, um, again, it's, it, uh, we had to drink our own Kool-Aid in the sense that we were investing in these companies that we want to see scale and grow efficiently. Um, and we had to do the same thing ourselves. Yeah, I mean, we had to build the business. So um, that's everything from <clears throat> like a sales program, finding investors, telling our story in new markets, uh, telling our story better in the existing markets that we're in. Uh, it's operational, so it's finding a way to get one of us to 15 cities in the Carolinas every month and deliver good content and information and entertainment and education and all of that, um, you know, consistently every month, not make any mistakes doing it. Um, it's fundamentally making good investments. So we had to figure out were the processes we had in place for finding deals, evaluating them and executing investments good enough to take what we built in Greenville and do that instead of with 50 people and you know one company every two months to 400 people and a company every two weeks, were we able to, to scale that capability as we grew the, the whole network? And from time to time, we were able to do that. And sometimes we ran into problems and had to fix them. Um, it was all part of building a business. And that's what we have now done for, for eight years. And I think um, our story is stronger now. Not only do we have lots of opportunities, but we have a good track record that we know what we're doing. We have a 
good member base that has a lot of expertise. Um, and we think that, that you know, the future is even brighter than, than what we've been building for the last six years. And I will say too, you know, we can resonate, uh, our experience resonates with entrepreneurs as they struggle to build a business and all the ups and downs and unforeseen challenges that come with that. We face those trying to grow Venture South ourselves. Sure. It's a fairly unique model in the early stage investment world with a, a network as broad and dispersed as ours is, coupled with the funds that we raise. So we've had to be pretty entrepreneurial ourselves trying to um, figure out how to make this business model work in unique ways that can scale, unlike most local angel groups that are focused on one particular market. Well, and I can see where that sort of builds up the street cred, for lack of a better term, of, of you know, if you're attracting companies, because I think even companies are somewhat selective as to where they, they go to uh, find capital. And they should be. Yeah. Talk, talk more about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, so we're when we come into a company as an investors, I mean, we're not only providing capital, but we're also providing with a tremendous amount of expertise. Um, and so as companies are looking to raise capital, they have to be cognizant of who they're bringing on um, as partners, as investors. Uh, and so a lot of our education um, is not only with the investors, but it's also on the entrepreneurs themselves, on how to position the companies for funding. So we talk to them a lot about, um, you know, the types of investors you need and kind of matching those dynamics. It's, it's, it's really important dynamic for the company themselves. Yeah, I can imagine that because I th you, know, you think about sort of the, the, the classic story, you know, someone sort of dreams up a product to, to solve a problem or, or, a, or a software or a service that, that just solves a problem, you know, and it, it's kind of a, they did it sort of for themselves. I can see where a lot of founders probably fall into. They're either the consummate product person or the, or the consummate sort of sales and marketing person. If, from what I'm hearing, especially Paul, some of the things that you talked about, that you guys bring more than money to the, to the equation. I mean, you've got your own experience of growing a, a business and putting that infrastructure in there. Am, am, I, am I hearing that correctly? No, I think that's that's true. So, I mean, we we have collectively built businesses. The real attraction of taking money from us, though, is not me, Matt, and Charlie, as attractive as we are. <laughs> um, it's it's the membership base that we have. So we have 400 people that are part of Venture Sales, 400 people that have run companies and served on boards and negotiated big contracts with Fortune 500 companies. So if you need somebody to help you do that as an entrepreneur, then there's somebody in our network that can help you do that. Part of, a major part of our job is connecting the right people in our membership with the companies at the time they need that person's expertise and then watching the good stuff that comes from, from that happening. Uh, and that is something that most, certainly individuals, can't really offer uh, that breadth of experience. And even a VC fund can only do so much on that because there's only so many people involved in it. Sure. So that's, that's the real differentiator about why Venture South um, is an attractive financial partner for a company and also one of the reasons why we can get good returns from our investments because we can help them along the way. And, and all of you have touched kind of on this on this aspect of opportunity, you know, of, of that, you know, as, as this system has developed and, and your, your, your company has developed and, you, and you've found people who have money that are interested in investing in these type of companies. And of course, it seems like the startup world has just sort of exploded in a good way um, in, in, in South Carolina. And I think you guys are also involved in parts of North Carolina as well, maybe more to come. But um, if, if you think about, and we've kind of danced around this, but but at this point in time, and in, in this kind of work, why is Venture South vital and important now? 
I think some of the same reasons why we started are still very valid. Despite the growth in the venture markets, particularly over the last several years, last year was a record year for venture capital deployment in the United States, about double what was deployed during the height of the dot-com era. So there's a lot of capital so flowing numbers, in. What would that be? $330 billion, something like that. With a B. With a B, yep. Um, so it's a massive market. But a lot of that capital is later stage and in the still in the traditional venture markets that you think about. Some of that has started to disperse a bit more, and we do have more venture capital available in the Southeast today than we did when we got started, but it's still relatively scarce, and it's still relatively difficult for startup, for entrepreneurs that are starting up companies in the Southeast East, to find a reliable source of that early stage risk capital. And so we still think there's a significant gap in our marketplace that we are helping to fill. Also because we don't necessarily have the history of venture development in our markets like those on the West Coast or New York, Northeast. And you mentioned that our legacy businesses here tend to be more manufacturing and, and more traditional industries. We're still climbing the learning curve in terms of developing those muscles for startups to regularly start and take risk and grow be okay with the failures, learn with the failures, incorporate that back into the ecosystem and bring attract more talent that does have some experience that can help turn that flywheel faster to get us to those kind of big outcomes that, that really accelerate ecosystems like you find on the West Coast or in Austin with Dell as an example. Uh, we're still trying to turn that, them. Yeah. that flywheel. And so, uh, and you need, you need capital to grease the wheels to make it, them turn. And so we still think that the thesis is as strong today, if not stronger than it's ever been. One of the things I'm also curious about is, I mean, and Matt, you mentioned this about sort of there being, um, this will be my word, a lag. You know, in other words, the West Coast has, has a pretty developed system for um, making those kind of investments and then the network of investors and sort of the, the name brand recognition. Uh, there, there are a couple of companies people have heard about on the West Coast, um, Northeast, what, and, and I may be asking you guys to speculate, but I'm just curious. I mean, why, why, would, why is the Southeast sort of lagging in that? What's, what's been your experience or how would you, why? I'll take a stab at it. You, you guys jump in. So, you know, there's some very specific historical reasons how Silicon Valley became what it was. And it started with, uh, frankly, some DARPA funding for Cold War technology development that spun up a lot of academic research, which spun out companies and started to attract talent, and that sort of fed on itself. Similarly with biotech in the Boston area, you've had academic research that's spun off companies and industries, and that's spun up. And so we haven't necessarily had exactly some of those same historical ingredients to launch a true venture ecosystem here, but those effectively are sort of accidents of history. There's no reason why we can't do that here, but you do have to recognize that it takes a long time. You know that effort on the West Coast really got it start in the 50s, 40s and 50s. Uh, and so it's taken a long time for Silicon Valley to become what it has. So we're planting seeds that really will yield a harvest years down the road. So we have to think about this on 20 and 30 year and 40 year timescales, not just three to five year timescales, even though for any individual investment that we make, three to five years is the period over which we plan to harvest it. But the ecosystem development takes a long time. And so Again, by having deploying capital into the ecosystem, that allows these entrepreneurs to go experiment and scale and attract talent. And the more we attract that talent and that capital and we get good outcomes for investors and get more people comfortable taking risk, 
the faster that flywheel can turn and the more great outcomes we'll have and, and we'll see growth in the overall ecosystem. You know, we talk a lot about this flywheel, um, and it, like, as Matt mentioned, we planted the seeds, and we, you know, we need to attract, we need to have an educated investor base that is willing to take risk. Um, we need companies that are willing to start and grow and scale here. Um, we need exits. We need, you know, we need the, we need the investors making money doing this, so that they can recycle the capital, and that recycled capital is really what becomes really impactful and starts an ecosystem, uh, and we're starting to see a lot of that right now. Meaning that you're starting to see some some exits. In other words, you, you've you've raised money, you've deployed money. There's been some exits with with more than people put in, so to speak. Right. And and is that what you're seeing yep. now? And they're and they're starting to recycle that capital. Uh, and that recycled capital um, is where they finally realize that okay, this is a legitimate investment opportunity. This is an asset class, and they treat it seriously. Um, and so what we're just effectively providing is just an avenue for these investors to make these types of investments. Mm -hmm. In other words, you're moving people from what they perceive as windfalls to wealth creation. Well, ideally, um, that's certainly, again, make money, have fun, do good. If we don't make money doing this, we won't be around long enough to make an impact. Uh, so certainly we want to find the best investment opportunities we can, generate capital gains that can be redeployed in more startups and, you know, useful for other things in our communities. You know, we're serious about the have fun and do good part. Our, our investors enjoy participating in this process and helping entrepreneurs, and they really like to back entrepreneurs that are making a difference in the world, whether it's cancer diagnostics or reducing food waste or electric vehicles that are, you know, saving costs on the environment. All those things are important to our investors. And so, again, we're trying to recycle not only the capital, but the know-how so we can um, continue to build build out this ecosystem. And maybe we can we can wrap up on this, but um, you, you touched on the nonprofit arm that, that you guys have, have established. It's kind of this, this sort of professional arc of you've got to start up yourselves, you've got to you know, get going, put in process and systems and, and, and scale. And, and now you're starting to have some, some successes to, to build upon. And um, we've had many guests here that, that have, you know, taken this sort of professional arc where they, they become true professionals at their craft, but then they're figuring out a way to use that to give back. So can you talk a little more about the nonprofit arm, what it's doing and, and just where that fits in all of this? Yeah, sure. So we've, we've, we formed some really great partnerships um, with, with folks like the South Carolina Department of Commerce uh, that have, have partnered with us, as Matt mentioned earlier, to develop this, this curriculum that we're real proud of. Uh, so we've, we've got a, a couple of different initiatives that we're, are underway now on, on the, uh, delivering that content and curriculum to, to, uh, to investors and entrepreneurs. One thing we're also doing is we've created this, uh, the Palmetto Adventure Fellowship. Um, so it's really tailored after some of the, some, um, some forums and some other fellowships that have um, that have started in the southeast, like the Liberty Fellowship, for example, that have been very impactful from a state leadership perspective. Um, but the Palmetto Venture Fellowship is going to take folks that um, may not know what angel vesting is, you know, may not know what term sheets and valuations and some other terms like that, uh, and, and ingraining them in in the process in the asset class. Uh, to show them that, you know, with a little bit of money, they can make these investments and, and be a part of that flywheel. Uh, so the Palmetto Venture Fellowship and then, the, you know, the ways we're, the other uh, creative ways we're developing um, and, and, and distributing this content is something that, you know, I think is going to be an impactful, impactful initiative and here to stay. 
Well, I guess we'll end on, on this one, but um, what's next for Venture South? Um, wh where are you going? I know you guys are, um, what, I think in 15 different cities? 16. Uh, 16. Uh, I'm sure there's more to come, but, but give us a little preview of, of what the next couple of years could hold for you guys. I'll, I'll have a swing at it. So um, we want to continue growing. We want to continue to add people, mostly in the cities that we're in. Um, we will probably add a few more, but there's a finite radius that we're willing to drive to to go run these groups in. So that's one of the limitations. And also we want to make sure the experience is great for everybody in that in that radius. So we, we, we do intend to continue doing what we're doing. More education, more members, continue looking for good companies and making good investments and, and recycling that capital. Um, we are in a, on a constant uh, journey um, to find new ways to get people that aren't involved, involved. So um, we can do that by offering different investment vehicles. So one, one way that people can participate in what we do is in a more passive way where they put money in a fund and essentially Venture South as an organization deploys that money for them. So less time intensive for those individuals. They don't have to come to monthly meetings, but they can still have the same effect. So widening the audience a little bit of people that could be part of, of what we're doing. And we've done that several times. We're, we will continue to do that. Um, one of the other constraints that we have is we can't really talk about the funds that we actually raise at Venture South because of various rules that Matt was talking about earlier. Sure. Um, so one way around that is to come up with a fund where you can talk about it. And so we're in the process of doing that. So a few different ways to sort of augment the core model of what we've got to, to try to be even more impactful over the next five years. John, I lost my train of thought on something I meant to say earlier when you asked about investors and, and deploying capital. So I think one of the important things that the Venture South platform offers people is a chance to diversify their investment portfolio in this asset class. One of the things that you'll learn relatively quickly and probably painfully if you're a solo angel investor is that if you just pick one or two startups to invest in, your chances of success are very, very low. You might get lucky but the base rate is that more than 50% of startups fail. And so if you really want to have a chance to make money in this asset class, you really need to diversify your investable um, allocation to this asset class across a number of different bets. And so again, one of the things that our platform offers investors is a very efficient way to develop that diversified portfolio. If you wanted to do that on your own, it's really a full-time job to go source enough companies to evaluate and pick the few with the highest potential after some rigorous diligence and build out your portfolio yeah. on your own. That's a that's a full-time job. We do that for you at Venture South. So you show up and you can pick from a menu of available investable companies at any given time and build out a 10 to 15 company portfolio, which is really sort of the minimum we recommend for people uh, when they get started. And you can do that very efficiently and easily at Venture South. And we should mention that you can do that for as little as $5,000 per investment through our network and even less um, through our sidecar funds. Great. So on that note, I mean, where can people go on the on the web or on social media to find you guys? It's the best way to do that. Yeah, so you can find us at www.venturesouth.vc. V is in venture, C is in capital. Uh, and we're also fairly active on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera. Um, so happy to, happy to host you guys for a meeting, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, guys, thanks for sitting down. It's good to have you all in the same room. Um, thanks for, for gathering to do this. And uh, just thank you for what you guys are, are doing as, as sort of your livelihood, you know, of just trying to develop and grow businesses to help investors um, and, and just to, to help 
our economy. Thanks. Thanks, you bet. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us.